right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan and I have a very special guest today, TJ, returning once again to chat with us with like an exclusive 60-minute style interview. Uh, TJ is a law student at Northern Kentucky University Chase Law who's heavily involved in the local political sphere in Kentucky and what's most relevant for him today is that he's a supporter of Thomas Massey. So TJ, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Ryan. Good to have you back again. Uh, today we're going to discuss, if you haven't heard, the Claire Worth's campaign's attempt to buy out TJ and then threaten to get him to drop Thomas Massey, which I was chatting with TJ right before this. The interesting thing about this is that TJ actually doesn't, he hasn't campaigned for Thomas Massey recently. Based off of these events, I thought he had. <laughs> so uh, before we get into it, your announcements, reminders, uh, be sure if you're not already, follow us on our Instagram, our Facebook page, our Twitter, our YouTube channel. We do have a TikTok where we keep you updated on those things as well. So if you want to stay updated, know when we do these lives or we make a spontaneous decision to have on a guest, you got to follow us on our socials. And also, we have new merch. I have from Redbubble. <laughs> our, uh, our logo on a fantastic mug that I'm now getting to use for the shows. We've got stickers. You should check it out. And your reminder, as always, uh, thank you to Andrew at uh, Secret Spike Studio 865 Audio for the wonderful countdown music that we get bringing you in every day. So, TJ, uh, I'm going to hand this over to you. Help me set the stage. What do you do for Thomas Massey? For those who don't know, who is Thomas Massey? So, Thomas Massey is a congressman representing Kentucky's 4th District. He has been in Congress since 2012, and he has been most notable for his stance for constitutionalism, individual liberty. Um, one of his bills that has been particularly popular here lately has been the Prime Act. He's been introducing this every year since 2015, but it's now up to like 40-some co-sponsors. What it would do is it would allow for small meat manufacturers to essentially sell cuts of meat to local individuals in state. Um, as of right now, this country currently only has four meat manufacturers, which this was particularly relevant whenever COVID, the lockdowns, and the inflation had came about where prices were increasing and supply was plummeting, where now we see that there's a clear push from Thomas to, in, to increase our food security in the United States. Uh, big non-interventionist really comes from the old right school of thought. So your Pat Buchanan's, your Ron Paul's, uh, that's the type of congressman who he is. Now, what do I do for him? So I've never been staff for him, but I've always been a supporter of his. I've knocked doors for him as a volunteer. I've been to events. I was at an event this past weekend where I just expressed my support for him. Um, just in general, I just support the man because he supports a lot of the same values that I support. So I do consulting for other campaigns, but for Thomas, he's just done so much to prove that he truly stands for what I stand for. And I have decided to go out on a limb and support him for free as a result. Yeah. You must have done quite the job there to get uh, his challenger to come after you as someone who's not even on his staff. They selected you over <laughs> his staff, which I find to be pretty funny. So Thomas Massey is the incumbent, as I understand it. He's, he's one of the current representatives. So who is Claire Worth? Can you tell us about her and her campaign? Okay, yeah. So Claire Worth is one of Thomas Massey's three primary opponents. Um, she arose out of Gilbert, Arizona. She claims to have built up a real estate empire, but she's 
never had a realtor's license in her life to our knowledge. Um, so she's really trying to run on Donald, uh, Donald Trump's type of politics, which is interesting given the fact that Thomas was actually one of the more loyal America first style members of Congress who Thomas has gotten the endorsement of Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Jim Jordan, these really hardcore Trump individuals. And, but at the same time, you look to Claire's platform, it really just seems like a grassroots conservative platform. It doesn't seem like a bad platform. But then you see all these inconsistencies that come about through logic. Um, when Claire first announced, her first attack on Thomas was the fact that he voted no and demanded a roll call vote on the phase three bailouts. So Claire says that she supports the pro-life position and that she supports banning mail-in voting. The phase three bailouts funded Planned Parenthood and funded nationwide mail-in voting. And Thomas was the only member of Congress to vote against that. So it just, it doesn't make sense why someone who's actually honestly and in good faith campaigning on a pro-Trump style platform would run against him when it comes down to it. So for those who might not know, when, when they do a roll call ballot, can you tell them what that is? Like, what does that look okay. like? So a roll call, uh, do you mean a mail-in ballot or a roll call vote? The roll call, because that's what she called for, okay. right? Because this is going to expose that's her, and that's what I want you to, to share with our audience. What, yeah, what is so, that? <laughs> yeah, so a roll call vote is when every member of Congress puts their name to whether they're voting yes or no on a piece of legislation. Under the current rules of the House, there is no need to have a roll call vote if a bill is passed by unanimous consent. And during the phase three bailouts, it was March 27th of 2020, Nancy Pelosi wanted this $2 trillion bill, which at the time was the most expensive spending bill in American history, to go through without any vote whatsoever. And Thomas got in his car in Lewis County, Kentucky, and drove more than eight hours to Washington, D.C., to demand a roll call vote because one quorum was not present, which is a constitutional requirement for any business of the house or the Senate Two, these guys are staying home while at the same time asking that truckers, first responders, grocery store workers, healthcare workers, so on and so forth, all still have to do their jobs. So if these guys can, can do their jobs, so can the elitist members of Congress who are making at the very least $174,000 per year, to pass legislation. And just above all, it's just good for our republic that we know how people are voting. But to yeah. attack so to attack Thomas on that just seems ridiculous to me. Right. And and Claire Worth happens to be a Republican candidate. However, when she is offended or worried about a roll call vote, she does represent all of Congress because every congressional member hates having their name tied to something because it means that they lose support on one side or the other. Politicians really, really like to be the snake in the grass in the center that on one hand can say, oh, I'm in favor of this and get these votes. And on the other hand, say I'm in favor of this. When they put their name next to something, they have a much harder time doing that. So, okay, now we've got a better picture of Claire Worth. We've got a better picture of Thomas Massey. Um, before we get to the audio of this conversation, what types of interaction did you have with her and her campaign prior to this phone call? Okay, so she, uh, prior to this call, 
she and I, I believe, had been in the same place twice, maybe three times. Um, only one of those were even remotely deliberate. Um, the other two times we were at events that we, yeah, we, we'd been in the same room. Uh, we'd been in the same room at th three times at that point. So the first time we'd been in the same room was in June of 2021, where I was a speaker at Constitutional Kentucky's Conservative Leadership Conference with my attorney, Chris Weiss, where we were talking about political strategy and how to effectively fight for freedom. What's the right time to use the courts? What's the right time to use the legislature? Uh, she was attending that event. So we were in the same room at that point. Um, the second inadvertent time was either late October or early November of 2021, where I was invited to speak about my consulting services to a group that's now called the Kentucky Liberty Caucus, where I was uh, speaking with candidates for office about what kind of services I can offer them in terms of helping them get elected. Uh, the time that was actually deliberate was in August of 2021, St. Elizabeth Healthcare, which holds a monopoly over all healthcare in Northern Kentucky, announced a vaccine mandate for their employees. Um, few individuals decided to organize a protest with this, working with healthcare workers to do it. Um, in response, Claire Worth decided to announce that she was going to go to this uh, protest, which that doesn't sound like a bad thing initially. But then you go through her social media and you find a 2020 post of her promoting the effectiveness of the Moderna vaccine, which one can discuss the merits of the vaccine in a level-headed way. But whenever you your only public statement prior is promotion of the vaccine, which corporate America is now trying to force upon its employees and the federal government is now trying to force upon healthcare workers, it, it just seems tone deaf at that point to come out against the mandates, particularly whenever you're running against the member of Congress who has introduced legislation to stop vaccine mandates like this. And from a political perspective, it's, it's definitely hypocritical. She's trying to appeal to both sides of the base, it sounds like. Right. So I printed out some flyers of this, and I handed the, the flyer of that screenshot out to people to make sure that it, that it was known. Um, I recorded the event and put, and had the video of it just to make sure that it was all clear what had happened. And there were people holding this, asking her about it, chanting Rhino. Um, the, people were very angry about it. But once again, in terms of political involvement, if you're going to run for office, you're going to have to answer to the voters about your positions, whether it's votes you have taken, whether it's about prior public statements you have made. Even if it's a statement that you don't no longer believe, the burden of proof is on you because you are running to be one of the most powerful thousand people in the country at that point. So that that's just a little background. That's the one time where there was ever a any deliberate like I decided this is worth having a confrontation over. Okay, so that sets the stage. What we're gonna do is we're going to play the audio recording. Um, it. If you're listening on the audio version only later, you might want to check out the uh, YouTube channel portion because I believe that this video does have subtitles and stuff because it is audio recording. It's not going to be quite as clear as TJ and I coming at you, Crystal, right now, um, but you should still be able to hear it. TJ, is there anything else that we need to know before we start listening and providing commentary on this particular recording? Uh, yeah, so, so with this recording, 
I was reached out to by 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 these individuals that I had actually worked with in prior projects on election integrity and right to work, and um, they were just essentially making an offer to have me stop going after Claire and stop holding her accountable to the to for her past public statements. Um, Claire Worth and her campaign and friends vehemently denied any involvement of this, hmm. but nevertheless, um, th they started out by saying that she didn't even have a consulting firm whatsoever. FEC reports showed that was not true. They then changed their story to say, well, we hired a campaign firm and we got rid of them on January 1st, 2022. She says she fired them. I think it's really just because they could, she couldn't afford the $5,000 a month fee that they were charging because her campaign is currently negative $23,000 cash on hand. Wow. Um, but then she said that, that there's no proof that that call even happened. So I released my call log to show that it did happen. And that's when Claire herself responded, um, agreeing to the notion that I am quote, the biggest lying dirt bag that one may ever have the displeasure of, of getting to know, which in politics, I guess that can be a compliment. Um, but once she responds, she also said that I record her everywhere she goes. I don't. I don't go everywhere she goes. I'm a full-time law student with other campaigns of my, on my own. I know for a fact Thomas is going to win the primary. Claire's currently in third place because there's a guy named George Washington who's running for Congress, and the name ID has put George in second place. Um, so it's not worth my time to follow her everywhere she goes. Um, but she said that if I record her everywhere she goes, she that you would think – that I would record this phone call. I hadn't released the recording of the phone call at the time, but right. as a matter of fact, I did release the, I did record the phone call and that's what we have now. Yeah. And, and what's important to note is that Kentucky is a one party consent, which means that he's able to have this. I don't know if anybody listens from a place like, I think it's California, New York, like you have to have both parties consent, but uh, she's had TJ living in her head rent free. <laughs> apparently she thinks she's more important than she actually is because she hasn't been a whole lot of a blip on <laughs> his radar uh, but she poked the bear and now uh, we're going to go through it so what's going to happen is TJ and I will periodically if I've got questions we'll pause the audio and I'll ask him if he's got an interjection he'll wave me down we'll pause it and we'll go but we're just going to play this it's about 18 to 20 minutes so without further ado we're going to pull this up And here we go. There's like a range in this. Uh, typically, if it's too high, then we're just going to pay for Oppo, pay for a tracker, and go after you. <laughs> like uh, that's where, like that's that's the nexus of this. If, yeah. if the numbers too high, then we end up so the cost benefit just means that like we would rather pay for Oppo, pay for a tracker, and go hard after you just to make you an example and put your head on a spike for everybody else. Right. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good. So you're in your uh, last, last week of school right now? Um, last two weeks. So I'm done with classes last two weeks. Okay. and it's, uh, for law school, they divide finals into two weeks. So. Mm, okay. Okay. Where are you in law school? Uh, Northern Kentucky University, Chase Law. 
So he mentions Hunter. Is, is that someone that we need to have an idea of who that is? Oh, sorry. Hold Hunter, on. You're muted. You're uh, not really. Not really. Hunter is honestly a hunter's a friend and I don't really want his involvement in this situation. Um, I prefer to keep that stuff out of it, but Hunter is the person that Cherry campaign sent to reach out to me. I can, I can tell that, I didn't get explicitly out of him, but I could tell he did not want to do that. Sure. Okay. So I'm, I don't really consider him to be a guilty party. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. We'll keep moving along then. You know, understand where you're coming from with this. And, you know, there's no expectation from us for you not to campaign for Massey. Like, you can volunteer for him, like, do whatever you normally do like as an advocate for someone you support it's just the issue comes down to the tracking and you know like we're kind of game for you know something like we can work out something um okay so just an explanation there so what tracking is in politics it's a term of art so tracking is where an individual is sent to watch what a candidate is doing, to record them, um, not in like anything really private or anything like that. We're not going to their houses or anything like that. We basically go to events that they are at and try to get them on the record. And it it's a form of accountability, particularly. If, if someone says one thing in front of the evangelical crowd, but then says another thing in front of the Chamber of Commerce, it's something that voters deserve to know about. Um, you can think of incidents like there was one really big incident in Virginia where a member of Congress, I think it was Virginia, a member of Congress called a tracker a racial slur. And it's something along those lines where it's like, if you don't have someone there, people don't know that there are inconsistent statements being made. So that, that's really what he was referring to by the tracking, um, which I guess refer would be a reference to my August event. I, I guess you could call it tracking, but even then it wasn't sanctioned by any campaign. So, 
Okay. But like the bottom line with that then sounds like it's to make sure that politicians are not just putting up the front that they can on the campaign trail. It's kind of to make sure they're being consistent between everything. Correct. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So yeah, so basically, so just the general like deal is like, I'm good to say whatever I want want in regards to Thomas Massey and like in promoting him. I just can't be tracking Claire, right? Okay. Um, does, hey. Go for it. Go ahead. Yeah. And then, you know, you'll be signing an NDA regarding this conversation and anything related to us, but you can continue advocating for him, you know, as best you see fit. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, understood. So then, so uh, yeah. Okay. That that does make a lot more sense because like Tom, uh, Thomas is a close friend, and it's it would just take a lot more to get me to like not advocate for him if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Uh, that, no, it totally does. I mean, we yeah, come I, from. We're actually like very like I think we're very like minded, and we know how. Like politics and campaigns go like one race, you find each other on the opposite side of a primary and the next time you're working together. And we just want to, you know, have a good campaign where we can, you know, respect each other and let two candidates like run without having, you know, just like negative stuff happen and so forth. And um, so, I mean, we completely support the fact that you're, um, you know, friends with him and that you support him. Like I'm, I'm very much like, I, I love our election process and I think it's really positive for our country and electorate and constituents to have like a variety of people get into a race, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that, you know, primaries are very healthy and I would love, I think you can, you probably resonate with, you know, the idea that, um, we want to see people, you know, run for office um, and maybe not necessarily, you know, the same typical people all the time. And um, I just, I think that's, that's really all we're looking for. Um, we're not trying to get anybody to not support someone that they support because, um, you know, you, it's, this comes down to character and who you want to see you know, representing your state. So that's, that's not at all an issue whatsoever. Okay. Okay. So this, it seems pretty disingenuous and and like cognitive dissonant for her to be on the one hand, trying to get you to stop supporting someone on the other hand, say, ah, yes, we, we love elections. We love primaries. We love options. Like what, where, what, what do you think about that? I, I think that it's, it's a, I think it's a false front to really what's, going on there because like the whole thing that they said is like you don't have to stop supporting thomas massey well if i'm supporting thomas massey i am by definition opposing claire worth darren mcdowell and and, right. and and george washington like that that's just the nature of it uh because they are running against it politics is the only zero-sum game a vote that the the, the a vote for thomas massey is a vote against claire it is a right. vote against George Washington. It is a vote against McDowell. It's a vote against 
whatever the Democrats name is. I don't even know that yeah. yet. Um, but like because- it, it also, it, it sounds like they, they're fine with you, like ultimately voting for him, or at least that's what they're saying. But like, they want yes. you to stop pointing out things that are sabotaging her. Like they, they want you to like, to me, it sounds like what they view as like aggressive towards her is like calling her out on the BS that she's putting out there. Right. And, and that's the thing where it's like, people say that they hate negativity in politics, but I can tell you that the studies that we have prove that the only thing Americans love more than negativity in politics is talking about hating negativity in politics. Um, The the fact (laughs) is like politicians are some of the wealthiest, most powerful individuals. If you're in America in the world, they have such a great disproportionate balance there. The idea that you are an elected official, you are subject to the voters of the people, and you can't be held accountable to what you have said, to how you have voted, demonstrates a fundamental inability to hold public office in a constitutional republic, at least in my perspective. Elected uh, Officials who can't handle any criticism should... Uh, frankly, run for office in a monarchy. That, that's where they're, <laughs> they'd be far more comfortable. And it just doesn't, it It seems like they're just trying to soften the blow there where they're like, oh, you can still be friends with Thomas, but you can't call out the inconsistencies of another politician. And it's like, what's the point in an election in that case? Right. If we can't if yep. we can't call out if you can't call out inconsistencies in an election, then Claire shouldn't be shouldn't be running whatsoever, because if you're running against an incumbent, you're running entirely on the fact that you're not satisfied with the performance of the incumbent. Yeah. Well, she was unsuccessful on two fronts. One, she's unsuccessful because she's falling behind in the numbers. And two, she's unsuccessful because she didn't she, she wasn't able to success, successfully bribe or threaten you. And and to me, this really seems to speak to what a lot of politicians just don't say out loud or we don't catch them doing. And that is they want to do what they want to do and they don't want to be held to account. And they view the truth in this instance as like assaulting them or threatening them because it's damaging the potential power that they want to be able to wield. And if it's right. left alone, then, then, then she's at least under the assumption, it seems like, that she would do all right. I doubt that, but. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing where it's like, I could have easily taken this money easily and just gone away. Yeah. And the election results would not change whatsoever. Right. But you have integrity, which is great. I mean, (laughs) I mean, mean, it was just the principle of the matter. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And as the star of the video showed, the threat kind of really made me mad. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll get to that. Hold on. Let's. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Okay. So, and I know Hunter Hunter mentioned this. Like, I just wanted to like, because the NDA is one thing as well. I'm just trying to think. Like, I know that there was like sort of a way to like make sure that this doesn't wind up in an FEC filing showing that there was a payout from Claire's campaign to me. So, from my understanding, like basically you guys would be the ones cutting a check, right? Or would or would the campaign be cutting the check? Like, from that end, you wouldn't have to really worry about it. Okay. Because, yeah, uh, it, 
it's not going to be a situation that you have to worry about. Like your name will not be connected okay. in any way that will be used against you. Because I, I understand that like you what? have concerns that like right. and you're I'm showing up on someone else's expenditure report. Uh, it could be used against you. That will not be the case here. Okay. No. Yeah, and I just wanted to like make sure that of that on y'all's end too, because it would be one thing where it's like, if they're like, it it would sort of negate the effectiveness of the NDA, if you know what I mean, if that popped up on an FEC report. So, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is actually something really big there. Um, they were offering a rather sizable amount i can tell you in private phone calls with hunter um that the amount was discussed um because i just wanted to uh i wanted to see what they were really talking about and i just wanted to make sure that that was entirely like that it was fully understood what this was that was a deliberate admission to attempting to lie to the fec what they did just Uh, there yes yes so this would have been an expense to the campaign. Right. Right. To essentially get me to stop working against them. Right. Um, when you are issuing campaign expenses, you are to report every penny of that to the Federal Elections Commission. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I know that's the law. <laughs> they... There are people who have gone to prison for far less in our current election system. So, so if you had taken the money and they hadn't reported it, who's the one in trouble? Are you the fall guy? I don't know the answer to that question, but I'd imagine it would be the campaign because it's not my duty to report stuff to the FEC. But you would um, at least be caught it. up in the in the storm. Right. Right, and that's it. even if I'm not going to prison for it. I mean, it is one of the, it is a corrupt dealing to say the least. And if there's an right. FEC audit, and they find out that there was a payment to my bank account, right, from a consulting firm that received this money, and then they transferred it in, I mean, that's just a straw purchase at that point. Right. And you better believe I'd wind up getting dragged into a deposition room because the, as as even though the FEC is one of the most neutral organizations that we have at the federal level, it's still politically motivated. Let's drop any pretext that it's not. Everyone has their own biases. Right. And because I'm a conservative pro-liberty activist, like the establishment Republicans, the establishment Democrats and the establishment independent who's on this thing would almost certainly do, would, would almost certainly try to find something on this. Sure. And that right there, so just in the, in that regard, yeah, like that is what probably, that's almost worse than the threat, if I'm being honest here. Right. Because they're, well, they're, they're pretty much saying that we are going to be a buffer zone between the public's knowledge of what a campaign is spending its money on and that actual, and, and that actual campaign. Now, campaign finance is a big question that we could get into for hours on end about the legitimacy of campaign finance regulation. But at the fundamental level, the law currently states that they have to report expenses. 
uh, this was absolute dirty politics, which is the thing that's funny where they, where Claire's campaign accuses me of being a dirty lying dirt bag. You know, it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's the pot calling the kettle black. It, it's the pot like, asking you know, if the kettle is so morally flexible that your only concern would be whether or not you get caught. That's what's right. astounding to me here is that they're not even asking like, what are your qualms about selling this out? You know, are, are you actually for liberty and the people's choice in the primaries or are you squishy enough that you can be bought out? Their main question here and what they try to focus on is to assure you that you're not going to get caught and that if you did, it wouldn't be traced back to you. Uh, or like if this if this got caught, it wouldn't be traced back to you, which which that that's really interesting to me. So yeah, I, I just I wanted to explain like why that part right there is just sure especially relevant. Okay, yeah, and I didn't catch that, so that that's great. Understood. understood. All right, so, but yeah, okay. okay. The, the only reason this is happening is that like me and Lane both like you, and we trust you, and we've done work with you, and had you on extremely sensitive projects especially when we're doing voter fraud stuff in Arizona. <laughs> so, right. like, we offered you projects that, like, it just, of the, you know, we expect the highest level of, like, people keeping their mouth shut. Yeah. Um, I've kept you on that core group on GroupMe for a reason. Yeah. Uh, it's just, like, typically we just attack, and typically we just do, Oppo research on the person, and then we send a tracker against the tracker, and then we blow up their personal life. And I don't think that is in our best interest here. So did he just say that he sends a tracker after tracker, and then he said that he blows up their personal life? Yes. So, so what is he meaning by that, then? Is that a threat towards you, or is that just a discussion of the way things are done? I, I, I mean, it's a threat towards me. Um, and things like that are done in politics, but it's almost never done toward an activist. It's almost never done toward someone who's an operative. It is almost always done toward someone who is seeking public office, um, which, I mean, send a tracker after me. What's the worst that could happen? You're going to find out how much time I spent at my house versus at my apartment versus the law school versus the liquor store. I mean, hey, I mean, I'll put it out there. Weller's my favorite bourbon. Buy me bottles, please, guys. <laughs> um, I, it, I, I'm outside of politics. I'm a relatively boring person, right. and <laughs> I I don't see the particular relevance in regard to sending a tracker out on me, and, and that's fine. I mean, like. I might speed a little more often than you really should. I guess you could get me on that, but I don't really see anything to blow my personal life up over. So it didn't like, that was one of the things where it's just interesting where it's like, yeah, that if I was running for office, yeah, that, that would probably scare the crap out of me because voters are very sensitive people. And if there's any personal detail that they don't like about you, you're toast. Right. But, but that's thing is like, that just doesn't generally work on me. And it's just like, but in general, like people like their privacy. They don't like being followed. And sure. I, I guess if they're option, if they want to send a tracker out of me, I mean, go for it. Okay. So that, that sounds like we found threat number one there. 
<laughs> yes. Okay, let's see what else they say. Because, like, you're a good person. Madison's a good candidate. We want to run a coin race. It's just a situation where Claire is in a circumstance where, like, it is really disrupting her ability to even run a campaign when she's, like, freaked out about, you know, active protesters at every single one of events that she shows up to. Right. Yeah, I think, I think like, you know, um, you know, as a, like, I don't like to use, like, you know, gender a lot, but I really, for me, like, I'm personally, like, very passionate about seeing, you know, more than just um, one group of people run for office. And, you know, this is an uphill battle, but I'm very proud of my client. And I would love to see just in general in the country, like, more young women run for office. I think that's really great. And for me, like, I just, I just want her to be able to, um, like, I don't want to have like private security that just seems ridiculous just for her to feel like physically safe. Right. Um, so quick question there, TJ, are they saying that, or is, is, uh, is Lane saying that like, she's worried about the security like from you or like what is she thinking is going to result in in the need for more security Uh, she's saying that claire does not feel safe around active protesters okay she is saying that the voice of the people makes a candidate for congress afraid which is really interesting take on that whole issue because Right. And if if their if their ire is directed at you because you are pulling stuff that's actually not even as bad as this, then you've kind of inflicted that on yourself. Right. And and also it's just at the top level of it, if we're gonna use the gender thing, what did it take to get the nineteenth amendment passed? Active protesters confronting members of Congress until they ratified that constitutional amendment. Yep. It happened. Uh, it was a crucial. It was a it, it was a crucial component to any political strategy. It was one of the most controversial issues of the 1920s. I mean, we're going to use the gender and size of a person to say that. Well, they're intimidated by that. It, it, I'm sorry, but I'm not that physically strong. My my roommate, <laughs> who you see walking by here every now and then, he's in the National Guard. And I mean, and there are people who live in this district who are in the military, who have done special forces, who are trained killers, who are the best at that job. If you're scared of me, if you can't represent me because you're scared of me and you're scared of nurses who are about to lose their jobs because of a mandate for a vaccine you promoted, you should be scared of every single member of the armed forces, too. And does that mean that you're incapable of representing them? Uh, if you're too scared to if you're too scared to face the public, you should not be running for office. You should not be in politics. You should be in a completely different industry. Yeah, it seems a bit entitled um, to basically say that all of these things need to be fixed and go away, so that I can do my job. And like you pointed out, if it's true then that she's too afraid to represent these people, then she's not fit for this job, right? Because the job specifically says. You're supposed to represent the people. That is like your one job. And I understand Congress has drifted away from that and doesn't really do a great job at that. 
But to me, that just really speaks to the entitlement mentality of our representatives who are not representing us. <laughs> Absolutely. And beyond that as well, she's not afraid of me physically. Every time that she has, every time that we have been in the same room, she has either had her, she has either had her campaign manager, Adam Vignes, who is larger than me by an order of a magnitude, or Eric, or, or Eric Redman, who was, who was an Iraq war veteran, immediately with her. She was under no physical damage, d- danger whatsoever. Right. And this was the pose that I had with her the entire time. It was me holding my phone, recording the interaction, not even hiding the fact that I was recording this interaction. If this is how, if this pose scares you, public life is not for you. Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. And frankly, the f- cameras don't scare people who are telling the truth. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to me, like, even when I tell the truth, I, I can be worried about the way that someone misconstrues it, but that's why I stay out of political life, right? Like, yes. if, if you want to get it, and this is what I'm saying, it is not that our congressional members who are female are any less qualified or capable. It is this idea here that I'm criticizing that if you are afraid of that, maybe this yeah. isn't the job for you, regardless of gender. I'm a male. I am a white male. I'm not going to be having any interest in running for politics for that same reason. Like, I'm just not interested in having everything about me dragged into the light. And I have nothing to hide. But it's not what I want to live through on a daily basis. Therefore, I've made the personal choice not to get involved. And since we're speaking on female elected officials or women in politics, Savannah Maddox, not even five feet tall, is not scared of cameras. She will go up to someone and tell the God-honest truth. Marjorie Taylor Greene, not too tall, um, also female, is not afraid of the cameras whatsoever. She's been dragged through the mud by the media. She endorsed Thomas, by the way. Lauren Boebert, another person who's, I guess, 5'2 tops, not afraid of the cameras, been dragged through the mud by the media, also endorsed Thomas. I'm noticing a trend. Um, Nancy Mace, uh, she was a congresswoman. She's the first woman to ever graduate the Citadel. I have plenty of disagreements with her, but she's not afraid of the. She's not afraid of that public uh, of public disagreements and, and public discussions. She's not afraid to go out in front of a camera. She lives in a deeply purple district, and she has a very divided population to represent. And nevertheless, she still goes out there and does it. Yep. Uh, there's no reason to be afraid of public accountability. Yep. All right. And have Nancy's thoughts and her thoughts, you know, be like to get to challenge each other intellectually and then also to challenge each other by funding, by work, like recall politics, knocking doors, you know, messaging and just like, having a really, you know, fair contest, but it's just not the same. Like, we could have a tracker, but, you know, Massey's not going to feel the same as having someone up in his face as, you know, a 120-pound, you know, 30-year-old mom, right? And sure. so I think that's, like, really, like, and, and all can I we want stop is, there? is just for my client to... Yep, go ahead. The closest elected official to Thomas Massey's voting record is Rand Paul. Okay. Who was beaten half to death on his own lawn by a Democratic Socialist operative. 
just this week, an activist who was on the conservative liberty side of Rand Paul and Thomas Massey was murdered. A man broke into her house and shot her eight times in her bed. Wow. The idea that Thomas has nothing to worry about, about having someone get in his face and have a camera in his face. No, they have the same exact reasoning to be afraid because things, things do happen. Sure. Absolutely. But the fact is the size, the stature, that is not relevant in the modern world of politics. And if that is relevant to your personal considerations, once again, running for office just isn't for you. Yeah, wow. Feel physically safe to be able to go to an event. Um, and otherwise, like, this is a, you know, campaigns with hand-to-hand combat, proverbially, proverbially speaking, and um, you know, we're all about like making it just a great contest. It's about ideas and work ethic, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Under- yeah, I completely, I completely understand that. I just-, I just have a quick comment. It sounds like they're putting more of their work ethic into trying to get you to stop than actually doing what they're supposed to be doing for the campaign. And I just wanted to interject that in there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that campaign is doing. They have spent more than $100,000 on this race, and they're not even in second place. They're, they're trailing behind someone who has spent $0 on his campaign. I'm referencing George Washington, of course, who I actually met last weekend. He's a nice guy. But my problem with George Washington is he put down the Whiskey Rebellion. So everything was, like, clear on that. Um Oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, what's the so like what's the amount that you guys were thinking? Well, we're you know the numbers up to you. Okay. I'm I'm curious why you didn't just say like a million dollars, like just just right there, because if the number is truly up to you, <laughs> then I mean, <laughs> I so I didn't want to elicit. I didn't want to elicit an amount like I didn't want to elicit a a specific amount. I just wanted to see if they were actually going to throw that out there. Okay, Um, smart. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was, I was recording this knowing full well, I wasn't going to take this money. I was doing that more so because I just wanted to put on full display, like what goes into this kind of stuff. Right. Makes sense. See, I, I've been so busy that I just haven't, like, I've been, like, I really haven't thought about this all that much just between work and school. So just, if, if I'm being honest, I kind of forgot about this until Hunter called me. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's still a thing. Um, yeah. But, um, okay, so that's really up to me. Like, and, and as you know, like, it's, like, again, like, I'm very serious about, like, wanting like a real contest and i think that you we're gonna all work together again on another race and we consider you a friend like we we like literally do want you to still work for maxi it's so it's not one of those situations where we're like hey we you know don't want that um so it's not like we're standing in the way of you you know having a job um right right so it's it's just more of like you know, you were probably going to move on to, you know, at some point 
some, just with all of your experience, like you're probably already going to end up, you know, you know, doing other things in the campaign. But I just, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, whatever you can think about it, certainly don't have to tell us, tell us now, but whatever it would be worth to you to, you know, make a transition into, um, probably what was already going to be an inevitably higher position within the campaign anyways. Um, I'll, I'll definitely think it over just, uh, yeah, I'll just need a little bit of time to think of what, what would the general part be like in, in y'all's mind? Like where would it, like, if I were to ask her what would be like a reasonable amount in your opinion? Like just so that way I can think it over on that, uh, on sort of background. I would give Hunter a call. Um, he has engaged in some of this kind of stuff with me in the past, and that might be the best person. The way it's like unbiased, it's not coming from us. Uh, okay. For like you to figure that out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, because I, I don't want to dictate to you like what your value is, and I don't want to like give you a number and under, like, you know, offend you because it's too small, you know, and then being pragmatic, like, I don't want to give you a gigantic number when you were taking something and waste your like, time smaller. So, yeah, so just, there's like a range in this. Uh, typically, if it's too high, then we're just going to pay for Oppo, pay for a tracker and go after you. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's where, like, now, what do they mean by oppo? Was that explained earlier? So oppo is opposition research. So okay. that is where you go. You take it a little bit above tracking and not following people. Like this is where you get people's yearbook photos. This is where you get uh, like so oppo research. This is how we expose Governor Blackface. I, I mean Governor Northam. Um, this is how we got Justin Trudeau being Blackface Hitler. I, I mean, sorry, not Hitler. Hitler had a budget, um, but. Um, this is how you get like the the past stuff to really come out. This is where people out themselves as, um, as hypocrites. It's where you look for criminal histories. It's where you look for bankruptcies. So you look for in, in, indications of dishonesty. Um, you look at family history, right? I mean, just an example of Oppa research. Claire Worth's dad loves Liz Cheney and loves Anthony Fauci. Um, and we have that pretty clear um, that this is the right person. Um, so that's just some stuff. So that's really Oppa research. So basically, I guess they'd look into my then 23 years of life, uh, find out that I uh, said a dirty word in my. Uh, in, in my first grade class, I guess, and uh, put that out to everyone. I, I don't know, but so do you? Do you think that they were being? Was he being genuine? Do you think when he said, when his reasoning for not giving a number was because he doesn't want to go too high or too low, or do you think that that was more of a strategy in case you were recording that they weren't throwing something out there? I think it was a strategy. I really don't know the full one on it. Sure. I guess, I mean, I, I don't really know the elements of it all, but like it's one of those things where it's like, especially whenever we get to the sentence that's about to happen, like right now, 
adding an amount to it would really make it nefarious. Really, right. adds a, makes it kind of nefarious to at least the public eye. Um, I and mean, if you want to know what the amount was that was thrown out in a future call, like I'm pretty sure I still have to call on that one, but I'm not sure. Uh, the amount was that was thrown out was a ballpark of fifteen thousand dollars. Which oh wow, to do nothing. <laughs> yeah, fifteen thousand to do nothing. That's enough to clear out my debts. Like. Two yeah. times over. Which well, kudos is, to you for not taking that as a, you know, yeah. broke. It's awesome college stuff. Slash law student. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's awesome stuff, but still, it's just like uh, that's not the price. That's not the price that I have on my soul. Um, yeah, there, there really isn't a price on it, and this was sort of a heart and soul kind of thing for me. Yeah, well, especially with your connection to Thomas Massey on a personal level, not even just as oh, I, who did I, a good job. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have done a dent for anyone really, right. but. Yeah. All right. Well, now I want to see where <laughs> where they really incriminate themselves. That's that's the nexus of this. If, yeah. if the numbers too high, and we end up so the cost benefit just means that like we would rather pay for Oppo, pay for a tracker, and go hard after you just to make you an example and put your head on a spike for everybody else. Right. So, like, so there, there's like yeah. an upper limit because of that. Uh, but like, I don't want to get to that point because I've enjoyed our conversation in the past and working with you in the past. Right, absolutely. And yeah, I, I don't want it to come to that either. So. Yeah. No, and, yeah. and you know, my concern is, one of my concerns is like, we, we know you and, you know, if you, I mean, I already know that you're capable of, you know, moving on and being, you know, a political director anyways and I know what I pay for that on the congressional race um, and I know what I've paid trackers in the past uh, but my concern is like they hire a new tracker that's like this unknown entity that's not reasonable and you know and then I still have to end up investing in you know some kind of like beefcake body man because I don't want my female candidate to feel physically unsafe. So I, you know, this could hey, be, can we stop right there? The cost for us. Yep. Go ahead. Okay. That statement there kind of defeats the purpose of trying to pay me off. In what way? It, if you pay me off, like let's just suppose that their narrative is true and I work for the campaign. I don't, but let's just suppose I do work for the campaign. You pay me off, then they're not going to have a tracker that has moral limitations like I do. So basically the idea then that if it's not you, that that void will then be filled in by someone else. Right. So the whole thing is mm. why, why even bother with that? Because in all seriousness, like – I, you, I, I'm not exactly conventional when it comes to political strategy, and I am far more willing to go negative than most political operatives, but that's just because I'm purely dedicated to principle. I'm really not, I really don't care about my own self-advancement. I, I care about getting my license to practice law and making my money that way. I, I know for a fact that where the money is in politics is where you sell out, and I, I'm really not interested in that. Um, I don't have I don't understand the logic behind paying me off if you think that what's going to happen when you pay me off is you're going to get someone worse. 
I, I don't understand that logic. Especially uh, because even if it's even if it's not somebody who's worse, what's what's the old saying? A known enemy is kind of the lesser of two evils, something like that, right? Because uh, they know right. you, they know your tactics, they know what you're capable of. They can control for that. It's the unknown variables of a new person that really makes that difficult. That's where they're going to have to invest money to figure out what's going on, what are they willing to do, what are they capable of, all of that. Exactly. And just above and beyond all of that, even at its worst, there would be no risk of physical safety from a campaign operation. None. I, I, I mean, in all seriousness, this whole hyperbole about physical safety and how politics is so dangerous, it, it is one of the most annoying things, in my opinion. I, I just, we live in a time where people were comparing the January 6th incident to a full-blown insurrection, which shows exactly how comfortable we've gotten. I mean, back in the organized crime days, we were trading Northern Irish cancel culture before it was even cool. We were blowing up people's cars, for God's sake. I, I, I mean, we are at a point where you are so safe being in politics that it's almost unheard of if something happens. And it's, and it's not going to be like you said. It's not going to be from other people on the campaign trail. It's going to be from a radicalized portion of the base, right? Like we see, and whether it be the congressional baseball shootings, whether it be, you know, the person that you mentioned earlier who got shot, that was a person who is a voter. It's not someone who's within the campaign trail and even coming after you through threats or attempted bribery is not going to control for that. If they're at risk for that, they're going to need that protection anyway. Right, exactly. Um, which we'll just have to go for, but I don't know, I just... Which is why we want the NDA, just because we don't want you discussing this with someone else, so that people think of this as a payday. Because yeah. typically it's not a payday, it's typically I come hunting for someone. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I don't know the person, then, like, we'll handle it the way we normally do. Like, I wasn't, honestly, like... You know me, I want like all my budget to go towards mail indoors. So um, I'm planning this campaign. Um, I don't want to spend money on a tracker. Like I just. So what, what did she mean by handle it the way we normally do? Is there like, is this a set procedure for them? Is it a set procedure in politics? Do you know what that is? I mean, the standard procedure for handling a tracker is just training your candidate not to answer their questions. So okay. just an example, I was a tracker for Josh Hicks who ran against Andy Barr in 2020. So I would go to Josh's events and I would ask him just these outlandish questions just to rattle him a little bit. I mean, I would just ask him like, just an example, I was like, I just straight up asked him like, so Josh, what, what makes you different from AOC? You know, just these really basic questions, which that shouldn't really frazzle anyone. And Josh Hicks did exactly the right thing. He would grab his phone and just act like, hey, mom, how's it going? I, I mean, <laughs> it's that easy. I, I mean, 
when it comes down to handling trackers, it's that's the standard operating procedure in the industry. I'm not necessarily sure what their operation necessarily is. I've I've primarily just done general operations for issue advocacy with them. Um, okay. It just sounded a little nefarious is what I, I was like. What what are they going to do off yeah, someone? I, like what? I that mean, sounds like I, the mob. I mean, I have no idea, but I guess if their whole thing is like putting my, my head on a spike, I guess maybe that's what they were talking about. I, I can't be for certain on that though. And, okay. Uh, once again, just. It does call for speculation. I, I just didn't know if you had anything, but. Yeah. You know, you're good. You're good. <laughs> just don't, you know, um, it's just not really my style. I, I mean, I appreciate, I'll say this. I mean, I appreciate the fact that, you know, the congressman thinks enough of Claire to have someone pay to follow her. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I mean, shit, it legitimizes us. Um, so I'm not, I'm not upset about that. I just, you know, I mean, I usually hire like female drivers, female body men to like women to drive female candidates and in this situation I'm like you know thinking of everything differently I mean her husband Chris comes from uh, going to be coming to a lot of her stuff anyways but um just because they like to be together right but right um but yeah so you know we're just trying to do the best by our client and um but yeah talk to Hunter because I feel like he'll be a good point of reference I mean he, he has a consulting business too and um, and like Duke said, I think there's a there's a point to which we can do it. We can work together, and then if but if it gets too high, then I don't know. We just have to do it a different way, I guess, which yeah. doesn't sound as enjoyable <laughs> for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, I'll I'll give Hunter a call and I'll I'll get back with you guys yeah. and once that, once I'm done with that. Um, I have a study session at 3.30, so I'm going to get going, but is there anything else that I should know beforehand or no? No, I mean, basically covers it, man. Like, uh, we want you to be able to campaign. We want you to campaign. We want you to do what you're doing. Um, It's just, it comes down to the level of comfort of a candidate who's not the largest human being in the world and who just, you know, it's been... You know, it's a unique challenge in that front of just trying to alleviate some of the pressure here. Understood. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, I'll let you guys know what, um, once I've made the phone call and sort of come to a decision on this. Okay. Well, thanks, TJ. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, good for you being a good law student and going to study, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what I was doing too, which is which is weird. Um, okay, so I don't think they appreciate that now. Um, uh, yeah, I, I my I just still can't believe that this all happened. You know? Yeah, it's it, it's pretty crazy. I mean. I, I don't know. So I, I guess I've got kind of two questions here for you as we kind of reflect on this. What do you think this means for politics at large? Like we've kind of talked a little bit. I, like the, she she is a GOP candidate, yes, 
But this is just the one example that we have right now on record. There are plenty of districts where this is not even within the same party. It, it goes from like Democrats pay off Republicans or like, you know, yes. badger them uh, or Republicans do it to Democrats, depending on what the district looks like. This is a symptom of the broader disease that is, in my opinion, politics, but it, it, the, the disease that is actually uh, this, this corruption here in politics. Yes. What, what, what do you think this means for politics at large? I mean, I think that th- this right here shows that it's on notice that this stuff isn't going to fly anymore. Um, it's remarkable the stuff that I have seen people sell their souls over. I have seen people sell their souls over a parking pass to the Capitol. I've seen it happen. Um, these guys have a price. People do. Um you're lying to yourself if you say you don't have a price. and But at, at the same time, this is probably one of the first times – I can't think of an instance where there was just like a direct blowing the lid on campaigns doing this kind of stuff where it's – not only did someone say it happened, but there is well documentation of it that was released after these people denied it vehemently. And attempted to, to attempted to drag my character through the mud in response to it. Yeah, I I simply don't think that anything like that's ever happened before. Uh, I mean, anti-corruption is one of my number one issues. I, I can respect you, no matter how bad things like no matter how badly we disagree. If your if your beliefs are sincere, and they come from means by which you're not just trying to get the greatest payout out of it i can respect that what i can't respect is being a full-blown headhunter to the highest bidder and if i had taken that offer that's exactly what it would have done because let's face it how much does thomas pay me to do this and that's one of the things by the way on the commentary on it is they talk about how like they appreciate the fact that the congressman has sent someone to do this he hasn't and yeah, I, you're, I, you're not on the payroll, so you're, right, you're doing it for free. I'm not even doing it as a volunteer for the campaign. Like it's completely outside operations, right? I, I mean, the only like I have lost money doing that. Mm. Not much. It's a menial amount to do what I do. At the very least, it's cost you time, which time is money. Yes. And so I mean, I've made the decision to do this purely because I believe in this, and, and that's a thing where it's like. The times that I've worked with Lane and Duke were because our values were aligned on those issues. And it's deeply disappointing to see them doing this because it's one of those things where my question is like, do you actually believe that stuff or are you just doing it to get the paycheck? Which I get it. Everyone has to make everyone has to make rent. Absolutely. I, I totally get that. But when it, we're talking about policies that could impact the lives of millions of people you got to have some ethical constraints there. Absolutely. You got to have, a, you got to have to have a North star. Yeah. And I think that this will, I hope at least that releasing this will give more people the gumption to have an ideological North star. Yeah. Well, kudos to you and, and a special kudos for recording. Was that just instinctual since you've recorded pretty much any interactions you've had with her or. Um, this was actually not, um, instinctual. So, and again, like Lane and Coke, like again, I've 
I've been working with them on projects since 2017, since I was 19 years old, since around the time I met you, actually. And long time. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So it was one of those things where it's like I was reached out to initially about it. And that's what set off the red flags were sort of like the lizard brain was like, this ain't right. Um, And whenever the call is scheduled, I was like, okay, you're running this. You're running this firm that Hunter works for. This is about that. I need to record this just to play it safe. Because and here's the thing, like again, I I don't know the criminal law well enough. I don't know FEC regulations well enough to know what everything that is legal, everything that is illegal. As far as I know, that all could have been a setup to try to implicate me in a crime. Well, I, I have no clue, but you know, as far as I know, it could have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news about having a soul is you don't have to worry about those legal loopholes. You don't have to be that embedded in the law to know what can you technically get away with and still rip off the voters like they do. And it's, I guess, in the back of my mind, what I was generally thinking was honestly, probably a lot of the precautions they've set up or the reason they drifted towards highlighting specific things is because that's what they're worried about, right? If they were on the opposite side of this, who knows? I'm not gonna say that they would have taken it, but to me, if, if you're like trying to reassure someone that they're not gonna get caught, it seems like you're pretty good at this. I mean, that's that's at least what I'm gonna think and assume about you. Yeah. So before yeah. we go to hot takes, I got one more question for you because I want to walk away with like at least a glimmer of hope. What can we and the listeners do about this? And maybe this specific issue, but more broadly, what can we do about situations like this? I get involved. Um, there are they, there are groups that are focused on ethics. Be a watchdog on it. Like again, like the campaign finance stuff. The reason why I said that it's a complex issue. I don't believe in campaign finance law whatsoever. I don't think that that is any of the of our business. I think mandatory disclosure of that stuff violates the First Amendment. I really do. But nevertheless, be a watchdog and be on the lookout for that stuff. We have a candidate for state house, Stephen Doan who is running against Adam Koenig, who is an establishment puke in Kentucky. Uh, because Stephen is running against Adam Koenig, Koenig had one of his supporters fire Steve's wife at his at, at her job. Um, be watchdogs on that. Call it out when you see it. Because the thing is, this stuff only survives in the darkness. When you shine a light on it, they run from it the way a cockroach runs from the light. And again, I had these people deny this happened four times. And to this day, Claire is still saying that she did not officially sanction this from these consultants. But at the same time, why else would they do this? Lane and Duke are a lot of things, and stupid is not one of them. They know the law. And they know for a fact, like, they wouldn't have known that I was bothering her, Claire, so bad if Claire had not told them that. This was absolutely the candidate attempting to utilize flagrantly corrupt means means to buy someone off. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's unacceptable in a civil society. But really just keeping your own integrity and calling out the, the those without integrity whenever you see it. That, that really is the best way to correct it and paying attention. This especially corruption 
is oftentimes the easiest to root out at the state and local level. I'm blessed enough that this happened to me on a United States congressional race because now a lot of people really care about it. But right. this will oftentimes happen in your mayoral races, your city council races, state house, state senate. This is where, like, but at the same time, at those local races, it takes far fewer votes to swing an election. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be right back with our hot takes. All right. I'll go first. And I guess I've really just got one or two here. The first one <laughs> is if you're going to be a political candidate, make sure that you're actually cut out for the job. Like if you if you have to resort to threatening and buying out people so that you have a chance in the primary, then in my opinion, you're, you're not a fit candidate to represent the people. Especially in this particular instance, when Claire Worth's campaign is attempting to bribe and threaten people to get them to back off and get them to stop bringing the truth to life here. Like that, that to me is incredibly problematic. It's not the way that our government should be going. Uh, I guess my second big hot take here is going to be that it's time for us to remind these politicians that they're representatives of the people. Like, that is their job. That is their job description. If they've forgotten that, it is time for us to remind them of that, whether it be at the ballot box or whether it be something like this that TJ did, um, who happens to be involved enough in the political sphere to come across these types of conversations. There are plenty of people, I'm sure, who would have been in TJ's situation and they wouldn't have... Maybe they wouldn't have recorded or you know, maybe they wouldn't have come forward with this. Maybe they would have taken it. Who knows? But there's plenty of people who are buying into this idea and being paid off. We need more people like TJ being willing to stand up. So TJ, thank you for that. And that's, that's my last hot take. So my hot takes in general are, first of all, public accountability is in a crucial position in our political process. If you're not politically feared, you're not politically respected. I don't mean physically feared. I mean politically feared. Politicians ask themselves a few questions when they look to decisions. Are people mad? How many of them are mad? Are they mad enough to vote against me in the next election? The most important question is how many of them are mad? Um, simply put, this should anger people. The fact that this happened whatsoever. Uh, the fact that it's taken this long for something like this to truly be put on display should anger people too. Because fellow operatives and activists like myself, we have failed to put this out there. We've either taken the offers or we've just declined to tell people about it because we have personal connections. I like Duke. I like Lane. They're, I, I've never had a personal problem with them up until they threatened to put my head on a spike. But... The greater good calls for sacrificing that, that to make sure that this comes out to be to, to the public. Um, the, my second hot take is know your price. Everyone has one. That there are things that you would sacrifice for, sacrifice principles for, for expediency. You're lying to yourself if there isn't. It's the fact that I know my price that helped me get through this. It's the fact that I know for a fact there is a limitation that I have, that everyone has that limitation, that we are all human beings and we're all flawed. That actually helped me decide, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to speak up on it. Because, one, I think that that increased my price. And I think societally speaking, this increased the price for everyone. Anyone who hears about this, at least hope, I hope this remains to be a cautionary tale against, one, making corrupt offers, and two, if a corrupt offer is made to you, accepting it. So, 
those are those are my hot takes. All right. Well, TJ, uh, thank you for agreeing to come and uh, and talk about this. It was great to have you back on. And all right, I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Uh, you're welcome for the bonus content. <laughs> we'll catch you back here next Saturday at 12. And uh, we'll look forward to having TJ on as a guest again in the near future. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on our social medias to stay up to date so you can get last-minute things like this. And if you enjoy this show, give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. Get the word out so that more of these clips can go, go forward and get out to the masses. Remember to like and subscribe. And uh, we'll catch you back here next week.